Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fall and welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Coconut, the one simple app you need to manage your business finances when you're self-employed with banking, bookkeeping, invoicing and tax all in one place. Crack business admin at getcoconut.com slash being freelance. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator Rude Hendricks. I felt like, uh, you know, every project I did, well, I got a little bit better at it. And I never stopped believing that I could make it work. I, I guess if you're an approachable character online, people will, will like you for who you are and want to talk to you and maybe work with you. There's no magic formula. I could tell you, you know, oh, I changed you know, X to Y, and then finally people started noticing me. I, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, so there is Rude, who is from the Netherlands, currently based in Portugal. We will find out how he's ended up being a freelance illustrator and how he's ended up in Portugal, no doubt, as we chat. You may have seen his work online as Hey Hey Momo. If you haven't, go find it. There's links for all our guests at beingfreelance.com. He always brightens up my Twitter feed, that's for sure. Yes, beingfreelance.com, where you can find articles. You can buy the Being Freelance mug. You can support the podcast by buying me coffee and biscuits. You can join the community, a lovely group of people from around the world, loads of freelance chat some of it very supportive and uh, I guess more seriously businessy some of it very funny as well we do live videos in there it's kind of like an extension of what happens on the podcast so yeah come come find us click on the community link at beingfreelance.com oh the book the book club we're doing the book club as well you see it's all happening in there come and find us but right now shall we crack on with this episode and say hello to freelance illustrator Rude Hendricks hey Rude hi how are you I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. Let's get started hearing how you got started being freelance. Okay. Uh, I guess you could say from Charles Avon, I always liked design and drawing as well. Uh, I did a lot of, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles drawings and stuff as a child. <laughs> so when I went to choose a study, uh, I actually went for multimedia design. Because at the time, I was also very interested in web design. So I chose multimedia design to really satisfy those creative parts inside of me. So at the time, I did want to become a web designer, not particularly an illustrator. Because I suppose at the time, I didn't even really think of the possibility of being an illustrator for work, like draw for work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I, I, I went there and... I did quickly find out that in multimedia design, you know, they teach you a lot of different things like web design, but also audiovisual, a little bit of animation, uh, a bit of programming as well. Um, but the thing that really interested me and actually only interested me was uh, designing graphics and also illustrations. Um, at that time, I found out about Adobe Illustrator and I really liked how you build up drawings from that, just from simple geometric shapes. And I got more and more into it. And then I remember in school, uh, like even in the most mundane projects, I always try to put in some, you know, some cute little graphics because that's just what I like. And I guess people appreciated that as well. Uh, I I was kind of known for it. Like, uh, you know, if you want to have your projects spruced up with some, nice little colorful illustrations, ask me. So yeah, that's where I found out 
I really wanted to go into a graphical direction, either graphic design or illustration. And in the same time, I also met um, my girlfriend, which is now my ex-girlfriend. And she was also really into drawing, much more into the illustration side, me maybe a little bit more into the design side. But she was also very obsessed with drawing and we, we pretty much teamed up. And then soon after we graduated, we actually decided to form our own little studio, trying to make illustrations and make it work for us, make, get paid for them, I suppose. So yeah, straight after graduation, we went full in. We didn't take any part-time jobs or whatever. <laughs> we were kind of naive in that way, I suppose. But it started off surprisingly well um, because to be completely honest, we didn't really have a clue what we were doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just saw what other people were doing and kind of imitated that, you know, the the approach online. Um, And then, like I said, it actually started off surprisingly well because uh, the first project we had was actually one of my favorite projects still. Uh, We worked together with an agency in Amsterdam to do the illustration part of an animation about a Brazilian soul singer who was apparently like a huge rock star in in Brazil. The the record label of uh, David Byrne from Talking Heads, etc. He wanted to bring his music into Europe and to America. And as a promotional piece, we made like an animation about his life. That was really awesome, you know, like especially to have as a first project to have straight out of college it was amazing uh, so we, we thought you know oh we, we, we can do this this is actually easier than we thought you know uh, so after that we actually thought you know a lot of people are going to see this animation it's going to get a, a ton of exposure that's actually also why we did it you know it was those typical projects where you don't get paid but you get paid in exposure kind of thing uh, nowadays, I would probably never do that anymore. But, you know, you have to start somewhere. And it, it seems like a great opportunity at the time. So, yeah, we figured oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be seen a lot. And soon enough, we'll have a good, nice little follow-up project and more and more to come. We're going to make it, right? <laughs> um, well, it, it turned out a little different. Um, after the animation launched, it was this big thing in New York in a cinema. Everyone was happy and saw it. Um, it was voiced by a, a famous folk singer that I really like called uh, Devendra Banhart. So it, I, I don't know. It was pretty incredible first project. <laughs> but after that, uh, those emails didn't really seem to come anymore. And um, like, Sure, we got exposure, a lot of comments online and stuff, but no follow-up project uh, in the months after, like almost nothing. So, yeah, in the end, it did turn out harder than we thought. And at a certain point, uh, we were living together and we were both trying to get this thing off the ground, but nothing really seemed to be coming in in the beginning. It was very hard to find new clients that paid well. Uh, and at a certain time, you know, it got hard to pay the bills. And so I decided, you know, in the meantime, I'll get a job to, to you know, pay the monthly rent and everything. And she would stay at home and still keep trying to persist to 
to to kickstart this little studio we had this little dream of ours oh man as a studio did you have a name yeah we we were called momo and spritz that's where my current name momo is also from we just gave each other little nicknames alter egos i guess because i don't know i think in this world it's kind of a little bit boring to to use your own name (laughs) and also if you have a dutch name like it's kind of hard to pronounce it for english-speaking people Uh, so we gave ourselves little nicknames that were hopefully easy to remember you know it's easier to get a domain name that way because there's a lot of roots in the netherlands so yeah that's what we were called at the time momo and spritz and to put this in perspective, how long ago was this? Uh, good question. Let's, uh, I think it's like 2010, 2011. Okay. And so you realized that actually you're going to have to go and get a job and you, you fall back on those skills you, you picked up yeah. while studying. So after all, it was kind of useful to, to know how to make a website <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I got a job fairly easy as a web designer and although i didn't really wanted to become a web designer anymore it was a lot easier to get a job with that than you know the 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 niche market we were trying to target with our illustrations because they were always from the from the beginning they were always cute and colorful and kind of kiddy so it's quite a niche thing and at the time, you know, everyone needed a website, so it's just a lot easier to get a job and get money with mm. that. So you go and get the web job, and your girlfriend continues trying to push forward the, the studio right. idea. So, so what happened next? How'd it go? Uh, I would say not very well. <laughs> we didn't land a lot of jobs anymore. Maybe a couple of small ones, but nothing huge. We were doing something wrong, and. Uh, at a certain point, uh, my ex-girlfriend was also getting tired of, you know, not succeeding, I suppose, and just being at home alone because uh, we also lived in a tiny town uh, in the south of the Netherlands. So it wasn't like, oh, she could easily pop out to a, uh, to a Starbucks and work from there or something. It was pretty isolated, to be fair. And so she got a little unhappy and... At that point, we decided, okay, we can turn it around. Uh, You can look for a job. And uh, I want to give a go at it because at the same time, you know, I was fine at my web design job. I think I did it for two years. Uh, I was fine. I I had nice colleagues and stuff, but it was never something, you know, I really wanted to make a career in. Uh, Also, the the work was a little bit boring to me. I always like to make very creative things. And at this job I had, we were making a virtual agents, which is basically a AI help desk. So it wasn't, you know, I couldn't put a lot of creative creativity in there. So yeah, we decided, okay, she's going to look for a job and then I'll, I want to have a go at it. Actually, it didn't take long. She, she did find a job. Uh, but the thing was, um, it wasn't in the Netherlands. It was in Scotland. And for me, Honestly, it wasn't really a big problem. We were still young and we didn't have anything to lose. And, you know, Scotland, sure, why not? I, I, I quit my job and I went along with her so she could have her job in Scotland at a game development company, something that was her dream job as well. So, yeah, why not just go for it? 
And so we moved to Scotland, uh, I guess this is 2012 or 13, I suppose. Yeah, we moved there to Dundee. <laughs> and it, it wasn't much of a culture shock, to be fair. Like it, it was a little bit colder than we than we uh, were used to. But other than that, I met a lot of nice, friendly people there, a lot of friends. And I started working from a co-working space there in Dundee. And there I got inspired by other designers and freelancers as well. And I got very inspired how they did things. And I, I, I would say I learned a lot of things. And so it was finally my time to uh, to try, you know, to try this illustration thing that I always wanted to do as well, but didn't really have much time for because I was making virtual agents, I suppose. I, I was happy and she was happy for a while. <laughs> uh, because not long after that, our relationship uh, turned sour and we broke up. Uh, I think maybe it was like a year or two in in Scotland, and uh, yeah, we broke up, and that's the first time after graduating that I ended up by myself and not having a steady income, and. You know, it was kind of a scary time because I had to think about, okay, what do I do next? Do I go back to the Netherlands, find another job, or do I want to pursue this illustration thing? And stubborn as I am, I, I decided to do the latter uh, uh, because I, I, I gotten into it a little bit. I also didn't get any huge projects at the time, uh, but... I felt like, uh, you know, every project I did, well, I got a little bit better at it. And I, I, I never stopped believing that I could make it work. Uh, if I just, I, I, I put all my time and effort into it. I, I worked crazy hours at the time. Yeah, so I, I was by myself. I got, I got pretty good at living a very minimalist lifestyle. <laughs> like I didn't spend much uh i lived on you know on pot noodles and stuff like like your student time to be fair i never needed all that much to live but yeah at the time i got very good at being very careful hmm. uh, uh, with your money and you stayed in scotland yeah i stayed there for another year i believe huh. i mean i also built up my own life around there like i i, I made my own friends and the people at the co-work I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed uh, working at the co-work space. I had my own apartment after. It was it was fine. But I think after a year, I thought, you know, nothing is keeping me here per se. Like I don't have a relationship anymore. I don't have a job that keeps me here. So I might as well try to go somewhere else. And two, there, there were two big reasons for that one is like there's no summer in scotland uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big reason because I, I never really noticed how much the sun has an effect on your mood you know like when it when there's when there's never summer <laughs> you, can, you tend to go a little depressed and I was already not feeling great because this relationship broke up and everything. So I, I, I think my last year in Scotland, I wasn't my happiest. And I figured, you know, my life needs a little bit of a change. And I, I, got, I started looking for things. 
that were more sunny, but also more cheap. Uh, I mean, Scotland isn't uh, expensive compared to the rest of uh, Britain or Northern Europe, I suppose. But as a starting freelancer, like I said, somebody who is living a very minimalist life, it would be easier to go somewhere where the cost of living just is a little less. And so I, I started looking at countries like Spain and Portugal and Greece and you know, Southern European countries where usually the weather is better and the cost of living is lower, a lot lower. Uh, so for a, for a starting freelancer, I think that is ideal. So I started looking at things and at some point I actually found a, a job opening in Porto, the place where I'm now. This was at a illustration studio as well, a small studio in, in Porto and they they had a job opening and they were already following me on Behance. So, you know, I, I, I sent them an email like, listen, uh, this sounds great. Your, your style is pretty similar as mine. I think I can help you out and I think we can good, be good for each other. And they were, they were very excited as well. Like they said, like, yeah, yeah, we love your style and uh, we would love to take you on. They were very enthusiastic until they asked uh, what I wanted to earn. <laughs> uh, because I, I was still used to also Northern European wages, you know, not just uh, the cost of living in Portugal is a lot lower, but obviously also the wages. And um, I already thought, you know, I was giving them a low number because I, obviously I knew it wasn't going to be as much I was, than I was making in the Netherlands. Uh, so I already gave them a low number, but he came back to me like, oh, no, it's way too much. And I told him, like, listen, I just want to, um, I don't really care for the money. Like, if I can have a decent life in Porto, you tell me, okay, what, what would I need in a month? And I'll come, right? I was very easily uh, negotiated, I suppose. <laughs> and he gave me a number and we negotiated a little bit and in the in the end we we agreed like okay i'll come for this number and he said okay great um i just need three months to get my finances in order I'm like okay I'll, I'll, I'll wait here then and in the meantime uh i was getting ready to to move to portugal i was selling all my 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 stuff there and finding someone to look after our cats and this and that. And then I didn't hear from him for, for a while. So I think after a month or something, I contacted him saying, hey, what's up? Uh, are we still good? And this and that. And that's when he told me, ah, I, uh, I actually hired somebody else. What? <laughs> I was like, what? And you didn't tell me this? And I was getting ready to move countries just for you and... You, you just go and hire someone else? Okay. So, yeah, that's how that ended. But in the, meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, I was very excited to go to Porto because, yeah, in the meantime, I've been looking up about the city, finding all this information. It looks great. So I was very disappointed when it didn't happen. And at that point, I just thought, you know, forget it. I don't need you. I'll just do it by myself as a freelancer. So yeah, that's what, what I did. I arrived in Portugal with only one backpack of stuff, just some clothes on my computer. That's it. And um, yeah, I started living here. I didn't know anybody here. So in, in, in the beginning, that was also very um, 
it wasn't easy to, because you know you're in a foreign country you don't speak the language what do i do <laughs> so one of the first things i did here as well was finding a new co-work space to meet new people and set up my own little business i suppose and i found that very fast i made friends pretty fast and yeah i i, I got happier i uh, the first summer i was in portugal i was so happy <laughs> i didn't realize <laughs> what i missed you know like and i really felt like i was making this new this new start in life you know and again yeah. it felt good and at the same time i also had some some lucky breaks with work i started working for this uh, startup company in london that did a toy robot for kids to teach toddlers the basics of programming and this was a huge success on kickstarter and other sites as well and I did pretty much all their, their graphics and all their illustrations. So this was a lot of work and it kept me busy for, I think, over a year. And they came back a couple of times as well. So that was a good break for me. Um, and yeah, I've been living in Porto ever since. This was now three and a half years ago. Uh, I have a lot more experience now. And after this project with a toy robot the ball started finally rolling a bit i got more traction like online and i got some more jobs i i, I did a packaging design for a worldwide uh, fast food chain called walk to walk i did uh, another app for kids which is an online piggy bank app i did an indie video game i did i worked on some animated series for uh, bbc uh, you know, so uh, I, I think I finally got it rolling after a year when I was by myself in, in Portugal. And now I'm all comfortable here. Like I, I met a lot of nice people and I got some new good jobs in. So it ended all, all yeah. okay in the end. <laughs> That's so good. When you say that, you know, the ball got rolling, mm -hmm. what what was it that like, um, did that like how were you putting yourself out there how were people finding you like how did it finally yeah. pick up speed I, I think like there's no magic formula I could set, I could tell you you know oh, I changed you know x to y and then finally people started noticing me I, I think it's just a matter of time you have to keep putting yourself out there I, I started being very active on things like Twitter on Dribble, on Behance and I think also what worked really well for me is that when I finally became independent 100%, so just by myself, I didn't have to think about, oh, you know, what does my girlfriend want to do? Like, it was also some, some compromise always. But when I started becoming independent, I didn't have that anymore. So I could do what I felt I was best at. And with every project, I always kept to the same style, but with every project, I, I try to better myself. And after a while, I, I think people just started noticing me more on, on Twitter and on Instagram and on my own homepage as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I got more and more requests, I suppose. Also, it, it's like if you do more jobs, obviously there's a word to mouth thing and yeah it, it just started rolling that way i suppose and you, you know once upon a time you were momo and spritz mm -hmm. what do you trade as now uh hey hey momo 
I so, love that. So I, I kept my, my Momo yeah. persona because at the time also, like, uh, we didn't have a lot of following, but we had some, you know, like a couple of thousand on Facebook here and there. But uh, I didn't really want to give that that up, that, that name, you know, like, so I, I think I made a post saying like, oh, from here on out, it's hey, hey, Momo. <laughs> and it's just going to be me. And so I kept the same name, just, you know, I, I went solo. <laughs> As you say, you, you've, you've got this sort of distinctive style. Are side projects important to you? Yeah, very much so, actually. I, I think soon after I made the switch from Momo and Spritz to Hey, Hey, Momo, I thought about, okay, what is Hey, Hey, Momo? Is it, is it just an alter ego for me? Uh, or is it more like a brand of things? And I, I was always very interested in creating my own brand. And the way I wanted to do this is... Um, I created this little dog character in a hat and I wanted him to be Momo instead of me. And I, I, my, my main site project is to create a brand around this little dog character. So over the years, I kept drawing this dog character over and over again. And I, uh, I made some little comics of him and I want to have, I, I, I make him like a recurring character in my illustration. So people will start recognizing hopefully the little dog character in the hat maybe like him so at some point i want uh, him to be as recognizable as such so that people would identify with it and maybe want to wear it on a t-shirt or have it as a print um so yeah i i guess it is technically a side project for me now to build the brand uh, because uh, to be honest, I still pay the rent just by doing commissions that have nothing to do with the little dog in the hat. Um, but it is the goal for me to, to, to turn that around, to make my main focus the brand Hey Hey Momo instead of taking on commissions from random people. Oh, nice. Do it. Yeah, I'm trying. I'll have one. So take a lot of <laughs> When you were back in the UK and, and sort of growing the illustration business, what were the various tactics for finding clients? Like, did, did you ever use, like, job sites? No, never really. I always felt these, these websites are not good for uh, uh, online freelancers because I always feel like people are just fighting against each other to compete to to have the lowest price you know that's all that matters on these websites if you just can uh, provide the lowest price they will take you on and i think that's a very wrong way of doing it uh, mm. so i always did a, a more direct approach i just wrote to a lot of people in direct messages like i i wrote to our directors i wrote to potential um companies that have a similar style as mine um, and also i connected a lot with other artists and illustrators on things like twitter uh, just to see what they are up to and maybe we could have a collaboration together like over the years i collaborated with various artists and animators which is really good for both of us because i can provide a solid illustration and they are magic at making the move so together it's a stronger product than just by yourself and um, 
So yeah, I, I think my main approach has always been uh, putting yourself out there on social media and try to be very active on it as well. So people won't just recognize you for your work, but also for your personality. Uh, because a lot of people would write to me as well, just because, you know, I don't know, I made a, a funny joke on Twitter. <laughs> like I literally got in jobs before because I, I made some random funny tweet, not, not even work related at all. But, you know, that's how you, uh, how you start. I, I guess if you're an approachable character online, I guess you do the same. And yeah, people will, will like you for who you are and want to talk to you and maybe work with you. Nice. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself mm -hmm. to make two true and one a lie. And let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Rude? All right, let's do this. A client once asked me to work through Christmas when he already knew I was going home to my family. I booked the tickets and everything. Uh, in an effort to sweet the deal for me, uh, he said, you know, uh, you don't have to be alone. I, I will let you call in on Skype to their company Christmas party. So he wanted me to stay at home alone during Christmas. But, you know, it would be fine because I could Skype to their company Christmas party. <laughs> the second one, um, I have a separate folder on my phone. And it's all filled with pictures of manhole covers. <laughs> uh, the third one, I once got asked to do a commission um, for a, a video game based on Sonic the Hedgehog. And bear in mind, it was not by Sega or it wasn't licensed by Sega. And th the reason they told me the copyright wouldn't be an issue is because we put him in a different color and we put a hat on him, but the rest would all be the same. <laughs> oh my God, these all... Well, actually, no, I was going to say these all sound real, except for why would you have a folder of manhole covers, mm. of photos of man... What is it about manhole covers that you like? Um, you know, I like very geometric designs. Yeah, and uh, if you pay attention to manhole covers, <laughs> they're all circular, obviously, but they always have these little intricate patterns on them of little squares and little triangles that actually do inspire me. So that's okay. I, I take photographs often. Yeah, how many do you think you've got? Uh, I would say maybe a hundred from all different cities. <laughs> okay, I don't know, maybe. I'm now, I thought that was nonsense, but now I'm thinking that could be true. The idea of somebody expecting you to work through Christmas, but also to be able to Skype into a Christmas party, sadly, sounds too true. Uh -huh. But video games, so they wanted you to draw Sonic, yeah, but not Sonic. Sonic in a hat. Yeah, it would be like a, I mean, a knockoff Sonic game. Also, they didn't want to pay me, but they wanted to pay me an exposure. If somebody's not got enough money to pay an illustrator, they've certainly not got enough money to battle against the lawyers. But, but they, the they, they really thought it wasn't going to be an issue because, <laughs> I don't know, parody or whatever, but it was literally just a knockoff Sonic game. For, despite the manhole thing being really weird, mm -hmm. 
part of me is now thinking maybe I'm not paying enough attention to manhole covers. So I you think should. that is true. <laughs> I think Chris, I I think the Sonic the Hedgehog one is the lie. That is correct. You're <sighs> very right. Yes. <laughs> well done. Well done. But the Christmas one and the manhole. I love the manhole. Oh That's brilliant. How how have you got on with the, I guess the business side of being freelance? Um, it's unfortunately a part of it. Um that I don't enjoy at all. <laughs> like in an ideal world, I would have somebody take care of that for me. But I would be lying if I say like I'm very good at it. I, uh, I, I try my best. I don't know. I always feel like oh, you have to be a semi-accountant to even get through all those things. I think it's also something that um, you learn by doing it, just like everything really. And like I said in the beginning, I pretty much took on everything I could, even if it was just for exposure or whatever, uh, because, you know, you just want to take on even whatever it is, even if it just makes a hundred bucks or whatever, you take it on. Um, but you learn soon enough that these people are just taking advantage of you. Uh, so you try to be a little stricter, try to be a little harder in your negotiations. And when you're at a certain point, uh, hopefully that you don't need every job as well. It becomes a lot easier, obviously, to negotiate. Like if, if I don't end up under the bridge because, because I can't pay my rent this month, unless I work for your uh, fake sauna game, then it's really a, a terrible negotiation position. But uh, a little bit later in your career, you don't that particularly anymore so negotiation is easier um but with all these things contracts as well like you get burned once by not getting paid so the next time you try to get paid up front or at least 50 percent up front now like with every project i do i always ask 50 percent up front because you know you just get burned all the time too many and that's how you learn now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be uh i would i would tell him it's awesome <laughs> go for it don't let uh, yourself get dragged down by people who uh, value things like a uh, traditional career traditional job like my parents were always very much into oh, maybe you should get a, a normal job you know to, to have your monthly wages, your monthly income. Obviously, it's very important, but as long as you don't have much to lose, as long as you uh, are, are, you know, you're young, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have children, just go for it. What do you really have to lose? So I, would, I wouldn't really do anything differently because um, it does take a lot of time, but it will pay out in the end. What do your parents make of it now? I think they're more proud of me now. <laughs> like I recently, for uh, my mom's birthday, I made them a family portrait and it's hanging in their living room, uh, in the middle of the living room. So I think finally they're seeing like, oh, you know, maybe he can do something. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're understanding more and more of it. You know, like my mom is always very interested in how I tackle my my contracts and my negotiations as well and yeah i i think they're getting it now <laughs> it took a while but uh, they weren't wrong you know i can understand from a parental perspective 
when you see your son is still living on pot noodles alone, sad in an apartment in Scotland. <laughs> it must be tough, I, I, I admit. But, you know, I'm also very stubborn, so I just pulled through, I suppose. Well, I'm glad the stubbornness <laughs> and the creativeness and the friendliness has all paid off uh, yeah. and that the sunshine has found you as well. Yeah. Momo, rude. So good to talk to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. There are links through so that you can follow Hey Hey Momo online and see the work and eventually, one hopes, buy the T-shirt as well. Um, of course, as well, make sure if you've enjoyed this, you've hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a freelancing parent, I do another podcast co-hosted with Frankie from the Doing It For The Kids community. It's called Doing It For The Kids. So search for that as well. Hopefully you enjoyed that too. And um, yes, come join the community at beingfreelance.com. I'll see you in there. But for now, Reed, thanks so much and all the best being freelance. No worries. All the best to you as well and to the podcast. Mm-hmm.